0: From the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, ranked you there? Uh, above 80th. Hey Ed, can you hear us? Hello. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the press
1: box. Come on. Are you there? I'm With Grady and Bischoff.
0: Ed, disconnect. Hi,
1: are you there? Ed, check your phone.
0: You're sending us messages. Yes, we Hello? hear you disconnect on ESPN Las Vegas
1: did you hear me saying hello and you were yelling at me to disconnect yes I was that oh, that awesome. Awesome. oh we could have a little of that this morning ESPN 1100 100.9 FM it's Ed Tyler and Jared and Danny everyone's in the house uh well they're in the house we're not no one has slapped <laughs> each other although I have a feeling that Jared might slap uh, me when I get back um What's going What'd you on, do? What'd, What'd you, you do to him? That... Uh, well, I, 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 it's it's a story for later. Um, <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> how often? How often is the mute button uh, hit today, and no one hears anybody?
0: Oh, we're we're absolutely both of us are muting ourselves oh, at yeah. least once throughout it's, the show and confusing least... <laughs> the other one. It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> Poor Danny. Poor Danny. He he does <laughs> Has no idea what's he he's in for today. Let's go.
2: The
0: First Bite. This first bite is brought to you by the Cofield and Company podcast, available now everywhere podcasts are available. Did Robin Leonard get hurt in practice?
2: I
1: think he got hurt getting out of bed because this is where we are with these guys right now. It's just so, actually someone just got out of bed for the Golden Knights. We'll hear about an updated injury later. I cannot believe that Robin Leonard is coming back with an injury, been skating, um, comes out to practice yesterday. Everyone gets excited. They're tweeting about it. They're excited. And then Jack Eichel does a one timer into his shoulder, and the guy has something wrong with him. It's, I want to say, we've already said snake bit, but it just doesn't stop with this team.
0: No, this is the second time in less than a week that they have had a player apparently ready to come back in practice one morning. Get hurt in that practice. It happened to Max Pacioretti last week and now it's happened to Robin Leonard, which is unreal. I mean, and on the Leonard side of this, here here's the thing to be speculation doctor on the radio for you. If he simply got hit in the shoulder with a puck and that caused him to get hurt and have to leave practice, there's no way he's ready to come back, right? No, no, like no. Like this Don't wasn't they wear like shoulder pads. Yeah, this wasn't like a collision. <laughs> this wasn't like some weird thing happened. If this was just a shot that he saved with his shoulder and it caused him to leave practice yesterday, there's there's no way that guy's ready to actually come back because that's going to happen 16 times during a game. He's going to get hit in the shoulder with a puck and it's. I mean, if he if he wasn't ready to go for it in practice, there's no way he's going to be able to hold up in a game because this is. I mean, this is incredible, though absolutely incredible. Oh, it,
1: ne- it never ends, and I'm waiting for the update from Dr. Sarah Oh, I uh, can't this wait morning because uh, there's going to be an update on the shoulder and what's wrong with the shoulder. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. And then Le- and then Leonard's going to see the media in the uh, in the media in the elevator start pounding on his shoulder and say, "See, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing, nothing wrong."
2: Oh, right. good. He's wearing to go. a,
1: as he's wearing a suit, not playing. Um, it just it never ends, and now we'll have this. I think. I mean. When these things happen, they're out for weeks at a time. So my guess is, unless we're wrong, um, and, and unless he healed overnight, he's not going to be on the Seattle trip, right? I don't know.
0: I mean, I mean they. I, I. here's my assumption. He was on the ice yesterday, which means before yesterday's morning skate, they thought Robin Leonard was going to be good to go. And that They thought Robin Leonard was back. That would be my assumption to why you would put Robin Leonard out there and have him you know play goalie in practice but then when that guy then gets hurt in practice and has to leave practice it does make you assume he's not going to be playing but here's the part of it that's that we don't really know the answer to because a they don't tell us much injury information and b you don't actually get the answers out of the guys anyways but what sort of level of healthy was Robin Leonard before yesterday's practice it's very clear he was not 100 right like that's that's right. pretty obvious so was he at like oh 90 percent and this somehow hit the perfect spot on his shoulder the only spot that would have given him problems or was he more like at 60 percent, and this was well I'm gonna try and tough it out like I'm gonna I'm not anywhere close to 100 percent, but I'm gonna try to give this a shot to help save the season and it did not go well in practice because if he was somewhere at 60% his season might be over like it might be just time to shut it down if he was at 90% and this was just a slight setback then maybe Robin Leonard still plays soon but that's part of the injury with the NHL that we don't ever really know so I am not sure what to expect but I would guess he doesn't play tonight.
1: My guess is he doesn't play tonight and they've got what back to backs with them. Day after yeah. tomorrow, they play again. Um, I I want to say, I don't know about 90%, but if he was on the ice for practice taking shots, I think it's more towards 90 than 60. I would hope. I mean, if you're 60% and you're taking shots at practice, I mean, <laughs> that's just a recipe for disaster, right? I mean, guys, guys need to shoot fast. They, they, they can't be worried about you and net, you know, they've got to, They've got to do what they do also. So if you're out there taking their their shots, I would think you're closer to coming back than not. But this, this could be just a disaster. Now, Logan Thompson has played well, but is he going to keep it up? And like Ryan Wallace said yesterday, how much longer can you continue to roll out lineups like this and expect yourself to continue to win games?
0: Yeah, it's like Logan Thompson has been good for the golden knights in terms of they've gotten competent goalie play from logan thompson who was you know their third string goalie coming into the year but logan thompson hasn't been so good that he is stealing games for you and i think that's where a robin Leonard, right your number one goalie the guy you thought was gonna be your number one so goal he has to robin do Leonard. right yeah, yeah. You get that every now and then from a Robin Leonard or whoever your number one goalie is. That's not what Logan Thompson has really been. Hell, some of his best performances have been when the Golden Knights don't score any goals whatsoever. And Thompson gives up, you know, two goals and it's like, ah, well, they lost two nothing. But that's, I think that's sort of the issue right now is you can't, the Golden Knights margin for error is so small and they don't have a goalie that you really have any expectation would steal them a game. Right. Logan Thompson might steal you a period or a 10 minute span, but you're not really getting a sixty minutes Logan Thompson is just unbelievable and bails out the rest of the team. And when you and when you look at the rest of the team, the lineups they're putting out are, are not good lineups. They need a goalie to steal them some games here down the stretch because they need to win a lot of them. And that's sort of the issue right now, is they don't have a good enough lineup and they're goaltending. They're down to their third goalie. And so even if he's good, it's oftentimes not good enough because the rest of the roster or the rest of the lineup kind of sucks.
1: Uh, didn't get any help last night from Dallas. Stars beat the Ducks 3-2. to two. So that's the wild one again. Hello, flurry. Um, so they didn't get any. I, it's weird. I, I look at scores now every day to see who if they're getting help from anybody. Big one tonight, Kings at Oilers. So that's going to be a big one for the standings. But, yeah, I mean, they're at the Kraken. Kraken just beat the Kings six to one. We've talked about it before. Kraken twice, Vancouver twice, Arizona, and then some good teams. Man, they cannot they cannot lose to these teams. Ryan said yesterday five out of six. Um at least, right? When you look at points and they cannot lose to teams they're supposed to beat. I don't care if it's on the road or not. They've been bad lately. Yeah,
0: their their next six are Seattle twice, Vancouver three times, and Arizona. That's like Ryan told us, Ryan Wallace yesterday when he was on with like saying five games. I think you're right. They might need to win six in a row. Like it might need to be a stretch where they pull off six straight wins here against bad teams and give themselves to give themselves a legitimate shot to make the playoffs down the stretch because the schedule gets more difficult cuz you go Calgary, Edmonton and then New Jersey, Washington, San Jose's bad, Dallas, Chicago's bad, St. Louis. But like it gets much more difficult to finish off the season. So they really need to win, you know, the next six games five, at least five of them, like Ryan said. But yeah, maybe even all six. Now, the other part here, and this is where you look at the lineup and you can actually see a little bit of uh, like brightness. Brad McNabb practiced Tuesday. He was in a normal jersey, was not in a non-contact jersey. He hasn't played since March 3rd. If he's back. And the golden knights will have their four best defensemen back on the ice petrangelo and theodore have been playing they got alec martinez back last game and if McNabb is back that's your best four defensemen and sure you might still be running out there your fifth and sixth guys might not be the absolute best but if you've got your four best i have to imagine you got to at least expect the defensive side for the golden knights to be a lot better and kind of help carry Logan Thompson slash the offense by not giving up very much because at least you can look to that and say, hey, there's something close to a full health unit on this team.
1: Yeah, um, I guess it depends on how healthy McNabb and Martinez right. really are. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you know, Martinez played 13 minutes the other night. I, I got that because it was his first game back in like 54. But McNabb, I mean, are these guys coming back 100 110 percent or like you said, are some of them close to 90 saying I'm going to gut it out because we have to win 10 of 14?
0: Yeah. And, and that's a fair question, right? You, are you getting not even full, full health, Braden McNabb and Alec Martinez? Are you getting guys that are 75% or something like that? And if that's the case, maybe we shouldn't expect the, the defenseman to do that. But that is, I don't, how I don't know, how much do you think they're like, Hey, yeah, we know you're injured. And if you were the only guy, we wouldn't be really pushing for you to come back. But you're not the only guy and we think you can skate. So let's get out there, even though
1: you're not close to a hundred percent. Do you think
0: that that's happening for them right now?
1: I mean, I guess, I guess it would depend on how close they are to hundred percent. I mean, if a guy's 50%, I don't think you can say that to him. And I, you know, obviously he'd know and the trainers would know and the doctors would know, you know, where they're at, but yeah, I mean, to insinuate something like that, if he's 90%, I wouldn't put it past pro teams or NHL teams, especially ones who are fighting for playoffs or, Maybe they just, in you know, inherently feel that way themselves, right? Internally, they feel, well, you know, I'm 90%. They keep saying that, you know, can't wait till I get back, really need you. They can say stuff like that, we really need you. And then the guy does it himself. You know, looking the guy in the eye and saying, hey, you need to skate if you're not, if you're not healthy. I don't know if it gets that far, but I think a lot of it's internal. I think, the, you know, McNabb's seeing that they're, you know, who they're running out each night and what they have to do down the stretch. If he's 90%, maybe he'll give it a go just for that reason.
0: It's definitely part of hockey culture—the idea right. that you're going to tough it out when you're when you're hurt. I mean, hell, Alec Martinez. What did he break last year? His entire leg. Like Alec Martinez played through a yeah, he played with a
1: broken foot. Year. Yeah,
0: and like that's that's just the expectation of this sport is that you're going to play through it. So I don't know. It's they're in a brutal spot as far as injuries go. They're in a brutal spot as far as the standings go, and we don't know if they're getting guys back at 100% or if guys are toughing it out. So it's hard to put expectations on, hey, Braden McNabb's back, but is is it actually Braden McNabb or is it 75% of Braden McNabb? All right, coming up next, we will jump into the Raiders.
1: I don't like having Taysom. If Jameis is out there playing quarterback, I don't really like Taysom standing next to me on the sideline. And so I think you'll see him more in that type of role we're back to the press box morning show with ed graney and tyler bischoff all
0: right we've got win totals DraftKings has the win totals out for nfl teams and it's not exactly pretty for the raiders they have the 11th best win total in the afc now it's at eight and a half which means there are 11 teams in the afc with a win total of eight and a half or higher which is Essentially 500 right? Nine and eight, eight and nine. Uh only seven of those eleven can make the playoffs. And that doesn't include Cleveland, who DraftKings does not have on the board as they await uh the potential suspension for Deshaun Watson. So there could be a 12th team that slots in here around that eight and a half or higher number. Um number one team is Buffalo at eleven and a half, Kansas City's at eleven, Cincinnati, Denver, and the Chargers are all at ten. Baltimore, Indy, Tennessee at nine and a half, Miami, nine, and then New England and the Raiders at eight and a half. Is that too low on the Raiders?
1: I think it's too low. I think they're too far away from a team like Denver because I know Russell Wilson's there, but I kind of want to see what Denver is with him. Uh, Casey with 11, they've had some major changes. Um, I think they should be hiring some of these teams. I really do. Um, Uh, Tennessee, I wasn't a huge Tennessee fan last year. So I think eight and a half is a little low. Maybe kind of the nine and a half range. um, Maybe you can get to 10. They've made a lot of changes that people think are going to make them a lot better. But I don't know what you think. Now, Denver could be a 10. I could be completely wrong on them. But I really want to see how much difference he makes on that team. Probably, you know, a substantial amount. Balter might be, you know, if Lamar Jackson's healthy, Balter might be a little low at nine and a half. Um, who do
0: you, who uh, do you think they should be ahead of?
1: I think they should be ahead of Tennessee. Um, you know, let's see. Indianapolis at nine and a half—they're really good. Now they have a quarterback that's better than last year. Um, Miami—I'm not so sure with Tua. I'm not sold on Tua. I, I think I—I I don't know if they're nine and the Raiders are eight and a half. So I don't know if there's. Too many. They should be jump ahead of those two. I, I'm looking at the list and thinking of. I just thought eight and a half was a little low for a team that got to the wild card last year and won more games and has made what you know a lot of people think are 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 good changes that will help them.
0: So, I think so. First off, the changes that help them. I think if the Raiders had done nothing, if they had come back with the same team, their win total is probably like six and a half. Like yeah. I'm thinking that there that there's. They would not have had anybody believing in them, that they would have been down there. Jacksonville's at six and a half, by the way. But I think the problem for the Raiders is when you look at win total specifically, I I can't I can't I couldn't possibly tell you they're gonna win more games than the Titans this year, even if they're better than the Titans. But because the problem is the Raiders' schedule is gonna be much more difficult. Tennessee's gonna get to play Jacksonville and Houston four times next year. The Raiders do not have that in their division. They don't have one of those teams in their division. So that's, and again, we saw the Colts blow it against Jacksonville last year, so maybe not four free wins, but that's pretty much a 4-0 start where the Raiders in their division are looking at you know six games against really good teams. So even if they're better than Tennessee, even if they're better than Indy, it's hard to see them winning more games. The only team on that list that I'd say, yes, they should have a higher win total then is Miami uh Miami being at 9 I think is being higher than the Raiders at 9 is a little foolish because the Raiders have a better quarterback and sure they got Tyreek Hill but like the Raiders got Devontae Adams. So Miami right. being at 9 ahead of them is the only one that jumped out to me is not making sense. What I do find fascinating here. Raiders, Patriots, Titans, Dolphins. According to their sort of win totals here, those four teams would miss the playoffs. Yeah. And yeah. I have to imagine all four of those teams would view the season as a complete failure if they missed the
1: playoffs. Oh, no question. I mean, Robert Kraft said yesterday at the, at the owners' meetings he expects them to contend for a title. I mean, can you imagine if they missed the playoffs completely for the Patriots? Um, Belichick might be in trouble. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I think... You know, I, and, and you make a good point because of the AFC West and who they're going to have to play each week. Um, so I, I guess, I'm like I said, Denver jumped out to me. I don't know what you think about Denver. I know he's really good, obviously, but I don't I don't know why. I don't know why I'm short on them with 10 wins. Um, Chargers, I can see 10 wins. You know, KC 11 wins is a lot of wins um, defensively with how they are defensively. Um, and I'm sorry, I think Tyreek Hill does make a difference. Um, so eleven's a lot. I have no problem with Buffalo having 11 and a half. Um, but Miami, Miami jumped out to me. And again, go back to the AFC West. It's, a, it's you know, probably the best division in football right now.
0: Yeah. And just on these win totals, Kansas City at 11, Denver and the Chargers at 10. Like three teams winning 10 or more games in this division would be absurd. I mean, it'd be ridiculous if the if this division has three teams winning 10 games or more. And I think that's where the, the Denver part comes in because I... I don't think that this division's having three teams win ten or more, and Denver's probably the third best team, or if not fourth best team, in the AFC West. So I'm, I agree with you in terms of Denver probably shouldn't be at ten, and I'd be surprised if all three of those get to ten.
1: But that's tough uh, to all three. That's tough. Right.
0: But I would also say this division's most likely getting two teams with at least ten wins, and Denver's got a shot to do it. Denver's got a shot to be the second best team in this division so i can understand a little bit why they're there but it's just like it's going to be listen if at the end of the year we're looking up and there's three teams with 10 wins in this division that's ridiculous right i mean that's, that's going to be amazing yeah, yeah that's going to be absurd so i don't know that that happens but i also get that i maybe i get why it would be at 10 simply because people are excited to bet on russell wilson with a new team and, oh, Denver, maybe it's a good defense or a better offensive line than Russell uh, Wilson had last year. So they're going to be better. On the sort of high end here, this is this happens pretty much every year with win totals. They, there's very rarely, like, an NFL team doesn't end up with a win total at, like, 13 and a half, right? It's never that high. But No,
1: you're not going to get much action on that.
0: Right. But there's... Pretty much always a team that ends up winning, you know, thirteen, maybe even sometimes fourteen games. Now that we go to a seventeen-game schedule, that'll probably happen a little bit more too. Is Buffalo the obvious answer to which team could go way over and win thirteen or more games?
1: I mean, obvious. I'm not so sure, but I, like I said before, when I saw that, I had no problem with that. I, I think Kansas City has some issues. I think they have issues defensively. Again, um, we'll see what they do without him. Uh, we'll see what Mahomes does, even though he's a lot more weapons. I've got no problem with Buffalo being 11 and a half. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm also interested, I got to be honest with you, since he bounced back to the Super Bowl, how do they play? You know, do they continue on or was it just a one-off and, you know, they're going to take a step back? You know, a lot of times Super Bowl teams take step back. So I don't have a problem with Cincy at 10. They were just in the Super Bowl. But if, yeah, if I had to pick someone in the AFC as the top win total, I'd pick Buffalo. 11 and you probably get some action on that. Anything higher, it's tough to convince people, you know, to put money down on 12, 13.
0: Buffalo's the obvious answer. I think Baltimore's the sneaky one that could win 13 okay. or 14 games. Um, basically, says, yeah, he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their. The, the Baltimore Ravens last year missed the playoffs in like the last week of the season or whatever, and they had the most like catastrophic injury season of any team last season. If Lamar Jackson stays healthy, if that team in general stays healthy, they're going to be really good. And I think they're probably right up there with Buffalo and Kansas city as the favorites in the AFC. And I think it's a lot easier to sort of see their division, maybe not falling apart, but being a lot weaker than we expect because Cleveland, what if they only get half a season of Deshaun Watson, right? Then all of a sudden Cleveland's not really that much of a contender in the division and, and in the conference and Cincinnati, like you said, I think they're, they're maybe too obvious of a candidate to go Super Bowl to miss the playoffs, right? Cincinnati right, yeah. wasn't wasn't a great team last year. They came on really good, uh, really strong at the end of the regular season. But Cincinnati wasn't this incredible team last year. They had a good run to the Super Bowl. But it's not hard to see Cleveland struggling, and it's not hard to see Cincinnati taking a big step back and Baltimore benefiting from all of that, with all the, obviously the Steelers being the worst team in that division. That to me is not as hard to see as, you know, somebody from the AFC West having a great year because it's going to take three other teams kind of going backwards. So Baltimore is sort of the sneaky one there where if they're healthy and things, if a couple of things go right in their division, they could win 13 games and they could be the one seed in the AFC or challenging with Buffalo as the one seed. So they're the interesting one. And we'd look back and say, oh, well, of course, they've done this before. And now that they're healthy, of course, they're right back here, even though, now, today, their win totals nine and a half, and we're kind of wondering how good they'll actually be because Cincinnati's in their division now, and right. maybe Cincinnati's going to be really good for years to come.
1: And how, how's Pittsburgh going to be?
0: Eh, probably bad. Who's starting to quarterback? Yeah. Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky. Who, or Mason Rudolph. Which one is good? Are they going to have a legit quarterback competition? They might have.
1: Well, I think they do. I think Trubisky's, I guess, in their minds, done enough to where you got to see if Mason Rudolph can actually be the guy. I, oh, I assume they'd have a competition. Which, again, to your point, makes Baltimore probably uh, pick up wins and get that win total up. Especially if Lamar Jackson's healthy, then, you know, all bets are off. They could be the best team in the AFC. All right,
0: coming up next, Vinny Bonsignore joins us live from the NFL meetings. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not big on titles, so we have jobs to do. We'll do the jobs. I don't know what difference it makes. It's
1: the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Joining us now from the Review-Journal covering the Raiders, also you can hear him on Raider Nation Radio, Vinny Bonsignore. Hey, Vinny, how are you? How have the hey, NFL meetings been in Miami?
2: Uh, the NFL meetings were great. Um, it was nice to see things getting back to normal uh, and actually being able to uh, you know, to have an event like that um, with, with people and no masks. Not that I'm getting into the big mask thing or anything like that, but it just shows that... We're headed in the right direction. The, the locker rooms are now going to be open next year. That's a great thing for us. But before I get to all that, how about the story that the Review Journal broke today with Tim Laiwicki and Mark Bidane, uh leading the charge on a new arena and probably bringing the NBA uh, to Las Vegas? For anyone that is a naysayer or a doubter, I just refer you back to the late 1990s at a place called Los Angeles where... Um, Skid Row, nothing downtown, nobody wanted to go down there and Tim Lightwicky was the lead charge in getting Maple Center built and LA Live built, so for anyone who doubts what's about ready to come to Las Vegas including probably an NBA team I would put money on it right now uh, keep an eye on that because that's going to change Las Vegas just as much as uh, Allegiant Stadium has and t-mobile arena has things are happening in Las Vegas and Timlywicky and Mark Madane are people that get things done
0: how much money are you putting on it Vinny? uh
2: everything that I have okay I've seen, okay. I've, seen, I've, seen I've seen Tim lawickki um get things done so uh it's he's 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 just a, a one-man band that understands how to get things done and does get things done so um, I'd be shocked if it didn't work uh, in Las Vegas with what they're trying to do
1: all right. Well, a
0: rate. Go ahead, Ed.
1: Well, press box transition. Is Tim Laiwicki going to get the Derek Carr contract done? Because I'm not so <laughs> sure anyone else is. So is, he, is he I now think he's in got
2: bigger fish to fry right now. Um, but uh, I think something will happen eventually uh, on that. You know, they talked about uh, the sweet spot that they need to find. They haven't found it yet. Um, and it's going to take time for them to do it. You know, when you, when you think about Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, uh, they saw a model that worked in New England with a guy by the name of Tom Brady uh, taking undermarket contracts in order to leave room under the salary cap to be able to continually uh, you know build around him and, and help replenish the team. So I would expect that they expect something along those lines from Derek Carr. Uh, it'll eventually get worked out. Um, and I would think that it would get done before training camp, but you know these things always have a life of, of, of their own and it could take a bunch of twists and turns, but somebody's going to have to bend a little bit, and I would imagine that's probably going to have to be Derek Carr. Should we
0: read it all into that Chandler Jones got big money, Max Crosby got big money, Devontae Adams got big money, but they keep bringing up, oh, we got to build the relationship with Derek Carr. Like, Why is it different for him than these other guys who they walked in and basically within week two are handing out big contracts to other players?
2: Well, I mean, you had to do that to get Chandler Jones. You had to do that to get Devontae Adams. Derek Carr is already on the roster. He's already somebody that said, Hey, this is where I wanna be, this is why I wanna retire, I wanna be a raider for life. So it's just negotiations. And it takes you know, there's there's different rhythms to all these things. You had to do Chandler Jones or else somebody else was gonna sign him. If you don't act quickly on Devontae Jones or Devontae Adams, maybe the Packers don't trade him or maybe they trade him someplace else. So there was urgency there, there's really not that much urgency. Um, you know, I, I know from Derek Carr's perspective, there is. He wants to get his future solidified and and wants to uh, you know know that uh, that they have, they've got his back and he's going to be compensated for the next three or four years uh, accordingly. Um, so it's just there's the timing of it is, is is more about that. And I think Max Crosby, um, you know, that was something that they had to get done, and, and the timing was right there too. Because of where their salary cap cap was at the time and what it means for them moving forward, but I don't expect anything to get ugly. Uh, there's no um, from 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 everything that I, the, that I'm gathering. There's no like doubt about that's the guy that they want to move forward with. It's really just finding out and figuring out uh, a, a compensation point that that satisfies both sides.
1: All right. So a uh, follow up to that. Let's say you know there's snags and they can't get to the sweet spot. Is Derek Carr a one to hold out if he had to?
2: I don't see that happening. Um, you know, there's just because from his perspective, I would think that what he would uh, ultimately pivot to if it went down that road is like, all right, great. You just put a bunch of great talent players around me. We've got a uh, you know uh, a defense, a reliable defense that's that's only getting better. I've got Devontae Adams to throw to on one side. I've got Darren Waller to throw to on another the side. They got Hunter Renfro and all these, you know, um, uh, you know, potentially a better offensive line. I'll put up great numbers. I'll lead this team further in the playoffs uh, than, than we did last year. And then I'll come back knocking on your door, saying, "Okay, now what? Are, what's that sweet spot look like?" So knowing Derek. Uh, he's going to use that to say, all right, um, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to come in here and be the best version of Derek Carr that I can be. And that's probably, if I if I have a great year, that's going to change that sweet spot in my favor.
0: Uh, you had a tweet yesterday, or maybe it's two days ago, about uh, the possibility the Raiders could trade back into the first or second round. To do that, would that mean one of Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller would be the piece to get back into the first or second round?
2: I'd be shocked uh, if they, you know you don't build, you don't put Devonte Adams onto this roster, and then trade away one of the components that he's going to be playing off. I, you know, I think they were just basically saying, look, you know, there's there's uh, there's conversations that are happening. Uh, there there could be uh, a path to get back in the second round. Uh, you can always trade next year's first round pick too. Um, there, there's ways to do it. You know, teams view um, teams view these drafts. You know, not everyone looks at it the same. So there's a the team that might, you know, at the, toward the end of the first round or high in the second round, think, you know what? This is third round talent right here. You know, the, the, the first rounders have run out. We're not going to uh, commit that kind of money to a player we don't think is a first rounder. So we'll sacrifice this year's first round for next year's first round or something along those lines. I would be shocked if Waller or, uh, and I, I know that kind of caught, caught fire. Uh, on on uh, on social media because people were trying to connect some dots, but that's one that I would just you know move on from. Uh, it would be either a package of picks, or you know you look at that running back room. There's some surplus there, not to say that any of those guys are going to get a first round pick, but maybe you package something along those lines to get into the second round, um, or maybe at the tail of the first.
1: Vinny, really, I think as the free agency opened, everyone went to one position well maybe wide receiver but they also went to the offensive line and they waited and waited and there are some new names here but according to mcdaniels and correct me if i'm wrong it's going to be more about hey the guys we have are the guys we're going to go with and we're going to coach them up is that a smart decision at this point
2: i don't think so uh, necessarily um and i think that they're going to continue to work on that room uh, through the draft and you know, there's 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 also also players out there right now, um, and I think most players, uh, the market that's remaining, some of those guys are probably going to sit back and wait till the draft to figure out, all right, what's my best, you know, uh, option. You know, who got who got things taken care of along the offensive line, and who didn't, and where can I go be the most help and also you know get paid the most. So there are players out on the market. There will be there will be, continue to be uh, players that hit the market as teams get through their draft and sort of sort through their roster. So I don't think there's much panic right now, uh, but I'd be shocked if this was how this offensive line was constructed. I think that they need to, to definitely solidify at least right tackle. If you're not moving Alex Leatherwood back there, um, back over to that spot, just to just to be able to get a veteran presence, somebody that they can you know truly rely on to deliver a, uh, a, a solid performance game in and game out. Because right now, as it's currently constructed, you're you're basically coming back with what was there last year, and that wasn't good enough
0: of any of the Raiders uh, got better coming off a season where they went to the playoffs, but they're in probably the toughest division in the sport, and the entire AFC is really good. There's eleven teams with an eight and a half or higher win total. What should be realistic expectations for the Raiders this season?
2: I think the realistic expectation is uh, when they take the field, you know, in whatever three hour window they play in, um, it, it's not going to be a talent deficiency uh, that, that, that wins or loses or that loses games for them. Uh, they're they're going to be able to go into games on a week to week basis uh, with a confidence that, hey, you know, uh, our roster stacks up with, with just about uh, anybody. It's not perfect, but nobody is uh, perfect. Uh, and so uh, they're going to have that confidence every Sunday to go in a game and be able to compete from a talent perspective. What it will ultimately come down to is. You know, are they turning the ball over? Are they committing stupid penalties? Um, you know, uh, that sort of thing. It's going to be what it's, it's it, when you have two equal teams. Football games are going to come down to what football games ultimately come down to. But it's not going to be, I don't believe, a talent deficiency uh, that that you know denies them you know what they what they could possibly get. What that means in terms of a record, I'm not ready to make that call yet. Uh, there's still a long way to go. But I mean, they're they're a better team today than they were at the very end of last season and I expect them to continue adding on, on to that. Um, so if we're sitting here talking about it right now, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to win at least 12 games next year.
1: Vinny, um, did anything surprise you that Ziegler McDaniel said at the meetings? Um,
2: Not really. I, mean, you know, I think I think right now the kind of a phase that, that I'm in as a reporter covering them is, you know, getting to know them and seeing how they tick and and how they operate, Uh, I I like the discipline uh, that they're showing. I think that there's, and especially talking to some other people in the NFL, there's uh, a sense that, um, how do I put this? There's a little bit more maturity. (laughs) There's a little bit more um, steadiness uh, at at those two positions than there was uh, in the past, a little bit more experience. um, And I think that that's going to benefit the Raiders. Not all of the moves are going to work out, but I think, you know, some of the big mistakes that the Raiders made these last few years uh, with John Gruden and, and Mike Mayock, It could have been, you know, just they weren't quite on the same page. They were still working through some relationship uh, issues in terms of working relationship, uh, whereas these this group knows each other. There's not going to be any, hey, getting to know each other. How do you talk? How do you see things? That's already been established, and I think because of that, um, not to say that every move is going to work out, that's impossible, but they're going to, I think, avoid some of the major mistakes that they made, the Clee Farrell, the, you know, uh, Damon Arnett, those types of moves, some of the, free, the, the Brown, the wide receiver, uh, that, that obviously didn't work out. Some of those free agent decisions that didn't work out. We always talk about the draft, uh, and some of the mistakes that they made at the top of the draft, but, you know, they've they, they took some mighty swings and misses in free agency, too. Uh, and I think, those are going to be those mistakes are going to be mitigated uh, with these guys.
0: Well, he is Vinny Bonsignori again. You can hear him on Raider Nation Radio, and obviously covering the Raiders for the Review Journal. Vinny, as always, we appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Vinny. All right, guys, have a great day. Take care, Ed. You too. Take care. So
0: there is Vinny Bonsignori in Miami covering the NFL meetings this week. Uh, he threw a lot of cold water on the whole trading back into the first or second round. There, that wasn't any fun. Yeah. Come on. Let's trade everybody no, away and get back into the first round.
1: It's not fun at all. We're going to sit around the first day and do nothing. That can't be good. What am I going to write about? That's not right? good. I need an angle. I need an angle. Right?
0: It's brutal. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some UNLV basketball because not just Bryce Hamilton is leaving for the NBA. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Coming up a little later in the show, we're going to have tickets to go see Megadeth to give away. But... Now, some UNLV basketball because Bryce Hamilton earlier this week announced that he was going to leave UNLV and head to the NBA, or at least try to head to the NBA, enter his name in the NBA draft. He is not the only Run and Rebel to do so, as Donovan Williams announced yesterday that he is also going to put his name into the NBA draft. Now, donovan williams has two years left of eligibility in his announcement he said he was signing with an NCA certified agent which means he can go through this process and then return to college he will not lose his eligibility by doing this so donovan williams could still end up playing two more years of college basketball could still end up playing two more years at UNLV, but he is going to put his name in the nba draft so here's a question for you does donovan williams have an nba future
1: I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if he does. Um, you know, look, th- this is this could be a lot of things. And I will say this because I've always never said it or written it or insinuated it. Like, I never say if guys are ready or not because I don't know their own personal situations. I don't know why they make decisions. None of us do. So, you know, you can have the opinion or not that he's ready or not, but I never hold it against a kid. They're, they have all different situations. Um, I would think, and I would think it – tends to land on the side of he wants some NBA feedback and that's what a lot of guys that's what Bryce Hamilton did he went in the draft um got feedback obviously the feedback was something that made him come back to school so maybe this is all this is maybe this is like hey go in there maybe get some workouts we don't know how many workouts Donovan Williams will even get um but maybe get a few workouts get their feedback this is what you need to go back to college why you need to go back what you need to work on so again I I I tend to always laugh at people who get mad at kids. It's not their lives. It's not, they don't have anything to do with this kid. Usually when they're on Twitter and saying he's not ready and he should come back, obviously everyone can have their opinion. I just never have that strong opinion either way. If he thinks he needs to go in and see what he needs to work on, or listen, if there's something in his life that says, Hey, you need to go and try to make money now somewhere, then more power to the kid.
0: Here's your hot take for the morning. I would draft Donovan Williams before I would draft Bryce Hamilton.
1: I don't think that's
0: such a hot take i think i totally agree with that okay he is donovan williams is taller he's longer he jumps yeah. higher he that yeah. just pure athleticism he's got more than bryce hamilton also he shot 44 from three last season now donovan williams did not shoot very well his first couple of years at texas he did not have a consistent role while he was at texas but he shot 44 from three last year there is more upside to him as a shooter than bryce hamilton who we saw for four years take a lot of threes and shoot 33 from three those two things alone the better athleticism and the potential that he's a Mm -hmm. good three-point shooter makes him a much more viable nba player than bryce hamilton because Mm -hmm. donovan williams can fit the role player model of the nba a lot easier due to his size due to his potential ability to shoot that's better than what bryce hamilton offers so I think, like, if I was an NBA team and I'm drafting a player from UNLV this year, it's Donovan Williams. Now, I don't think Donovan Williams is going to the NBA and making an impact on a team next season. I don't think we're talking about Donovan Williams playing in the NBA next season. I think there's still a a ways to go for Donovan Williams before that happens, but I think it's more likely that he would make an impact or have a better NBA career than Bryce Hamilton would. So I understand it from that standpoint. I'd also say this. I predict Donovan Williams is back next year. I predict, I think shoot? Donovan Williams do is, is back in college basketball next season. Yeah. So I don't think he's gone, but I do think he's got a, a brighter NBA future than Bryce Hamilton. Well,
1: mm-hmm. so yeah, everything you said is correct. I mean, I, I love Bryce as a, as a kid. We talked about Bryce a long time yesterday about how he could fit in the NBA, but he just doesn't have the upside or athleticism that you need in that league. That's just, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean, you know, you said yesterday he can create his own shot. He'd have to come off the bench. Donovan Williams has much more upside, just because of the type of player he is and his athleticism and his length and everything you just said. That's you know that's why you know everyone says, hey, how do you translate to the NBA? It's a much different game. Donovan Williams has traits and skills that Bryce Hamilton doesn't that would have him translate easier. I, I completely agree with you. I think he's back, um, and I think this is more probably more you know right or not that he's going to get um, feedback. And they're going to say, work on this and this. And, you know, if he really wants to get to the league, that's what he'll do. He'll go back and work on what they say to work on. Now, if
0: Williams comes back, uh, obviously he could be a key piece for next year's team. But as of right now, Donovan Williams is not a part of UNLV's roster. I assume they'll hold a spot for him if he does want to come back. But as of right now, he's not, which means UNLV is down their top three scorers from last year. Bryce Hamilton, Royce Ham, and Donovan Williams. Jordan McCabe is the top returning scorer on the roster right now. He averaged 6.4 points per game next year. can Kevin, Kevin Krueger is going to have to have a hell of an offseason to get this team in the NCAA tournament next year.
1: Well, especially if all are gone. Uh, we know two are gone. If all three are gone, um, I, I mean, he's going to dive into the portal. But here's the thing. A lot of people are diving into the portal. Right. You have to beat a lot of teams for really, really good players in the portal, especially if you're a non-powered team. Non power five teams so can he get three guys like that i doubt it um you know you said all along they need someone better than hamilton i don't even know if they can do that right uh never mind replacing all three of them Yeah. so yeah i mean that that would be really really difficult given who you have to beat on really good players that are in the portal
0: and like one of the names that they've reached out to is ethan anderson john rostein reported that he was he was committed to unlv under marvin menzies but then when menzies got fired he left and went to USC. He's been there for 3 years. He's averaged basically 5 points per game all 3 years at USC. That's a fine player to pick up. There's nothing wrong with adding Ethan Anderson, but if that's the player, if that's the type of guy they get, it's hard to envision. Oh yeah, Ethan Anderson's going to be better than Donovan Williams or as good as Bryce Hamilton. Like they're going to have to get guys that are better than those players and I don't know that like an Ethan Anderson is that type of guy for UNLV. So it's it's a massively important offseason for Kevin Kruger and for this team to actually prove and build on what they did in year 1